Hello and welcome to Founders Unplugged. I am your host, Greg McCallum, also known as the Pay As You Scale Commercial Advisor and Fractional CCO uh, and Angel Investor. Um, before we start, just wanted to let you know all these conversations are you know, completely voluntary by the founders who are involved. So please give them some love. They're, they're very busy individuals and they're taking two hours, up to two hours out of their day to come and sit and chat with me about themselves, about their businesses and about all other kinds of stuff. Uh, so it's a bit of fun. It's a, you know, a bit of a uh, an experiment um, and uh, really enjoyed the sports very far. So thank you so much. But do show them some love. Look in the uh, description uh, on whatever platform you're watching this and you will find links to them for their LinkedIn profiles and also the projects and the startups they're working on. So do go and check those out. And while you're at it, maybe give me a bit of love too. Um, I do this as something on the side to my main business. I run a company called ThinkWork, um, like I said, where I am the commercial advisor and fractional CCO. Um, and so if you're looking for any advice, I also do free uh, commercial advice um, for those for for one hour, up to one hour, uh, but uh, that 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 job allows me to do this. So I guess you could say in some ways, Think Work is sponsoring this episode. Um, but uh, look, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the episode. Please do um, show love and appreciation for them, and of course for this episode. If you enjoy it, like it, subscribe, share, all that sort of stuff. Comment below. That lets the algorithm know that you're engaging with it. And maybe you can suggest um, some people that uh, should be on the show. That'd be great to have them on. Um, and they can also uh, use the form in the description to apply as well. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, I've talked long enough. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Founders Unplugged, hosted by Greg McCallum. Okay, so we have some technical issues. So he'll be back. He'll be in in a second. No, that's fine. Um well, I, I mean, look. While you're here, we might as well we might as well sort of get a start and uh, chatting. But um, so, why don't you? Well, why don't you start by introducing yourself and like uh, and doing yeah. your business? Yeah. Well, my name is Ali, and uh, you know, together with Ian, my co-founder, we uh, started a consultancy three years ago. So the story behind it is that um, we were both doing a master's degree after we both realized we uh, essentially didn't really want to work for a company, or maybe a better way of saying it is we assumed we were unemployable, essentially. Right. Right. Yeah, which, Hi, uh, you know, hey, yeah. Hey, how are you doing? Good, thank you, very well. So Ali's, sorry, Ali's just introducing himself. So uh, mm -hmm. so we'll, we'll maybe go, go around the table in a moment. So, so, so yeah. go ahead, Ali. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, essentially, well, I guess my background is that I'm Bulgarian. Right. Um, well, I'm Bulgarian, Palestinian, born in Lebanon, raised in Bulgaria. So I'm a mix of a right. hundred different cultures at this point. I don't even yeah, know yeah. where I'm from. Um, but anyway, so I, I was raised in Bulgaria, uh, always had a love for IT, um, but uh, that was about it. You know, I fell in love with IT and stuff through just playing video games, stuff like that. Mm. Uh, eventually wanted to do a bachelor's degree and I ended up going to the University of Northampton uh, at like 18 years old. I did uh, a degree in software engineering there. Mm -hmm. And after that degree, I went back to Bulgaria with the, the idea of getting a job and uh, working at essentially some IT company. So I eventually got an internship at the FinTech. And I remember just going into that, uh, to the office of the FinTech and just kind of getting depressed when looking at the cubicle. And, you know, they were telling me, 
uh, oh yeah, that we have all of these nice incentives, free beer, uh, pool, I don't know what. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah, and I was like, I, I kind of don't want this. And, and you know, so at the day I was supposed to start, I just called the, like, the person who hired me, and I was like, hey, man, I kind of want to back out. Mm. Then I backed out, I called my dad, and I told him, look, I don't think this is for me. I want to do something with business. I'm going to look at uh, doing some sort of degree in business, which in like a Middle Eastern household is a big no-no. Uh, oh, usually, know. yeah. So it's like um, in Middle Eastern households, when you go and study business, it's like a saying essentially, which is like, if somebody goes and studies business, it means they don't know what they want to do in their life, which to be honest, that exactly. was really <laughs> the case. Yeah. <laughs> it was the case. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, it was the case. So yeah um i was sitting in like my dad's office looking through universities looking where i could apply what are their programs related mm. to business and there was this one course uh called the masters in entrepreneurship at ucl mm. um and you know i liked the word i was like oh entrepreneurship nice okay yeah, I, yeah. I signed up uh eventually went <laughs> to the to the uk to do my master's degree at like 21. And uh, I had no idea what the startup was or what even entrepreneurship really meant. All I knew is that I wanted to kind of start a business. Yeah. Ended up going there, meeting Jan, and uh, yeah, essentially getting exposed to this whole environment and stuff, which we can go into later. But yeah, yeah. in a nutshell, I think that's my background. That's really interesting. I've got a couple of questions about that. We'll, we'll get to later because <laughs> that was really interesting. Um, yeah, Jan, you take it away. What about what about yourself? Yep. Well, Ali is certainly more interesting. <laughs> it comes to his background. I, I'm I'm quite quite boring. Um, I, I'm from Poland, so well, almost almost Bulgaria, but uh, not really. Um, I grew up in a in a family of lawyers, actually, as well. So my, my dad is a lawyer. My mom. Right, is yeah, you're right. Let's let's so, move on. Let's move on. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm I was joking. this I was this close to becoming a lawyer uh, when I was when I was younger. Yeah. But uh, you know, if you if you want to become a lawyer, if it's Poland, then you need to stay in Poland, study Polish law. Right. I, I'm not going to stay in Poland for for this long. Uh, I also didn't want to stay in the uk or us long term so law was kind of out you know it was not on the table for me yeah um and i, I was quite interested in a, a lot of a magnitude of things you know engineering physics i, I had a period when i was in um, in high school when i wanted to to go and study nanotechnology <laughs> so there was this new okay. there was this new program in my hometown in poland uh, mm. uh, for the for the nanotechnology and i was I was, I was very close to applying to that but you i ended have, up you must have to have very good eyes for that though to be able to see what's <laughs> happening right probably yeah probably yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's pretty pretty good one pretty good one actually uh, they, they yeah. built an entire new building to support this so yeah. looked looked great um mm. but i think it was just just a hobby so i still have this kind of uh engineering uh kind of do things with my own hands uh, hobby uh mm. But I, in terms of career, I went to study business. And again, like Ali says, you know, business is for someone who, who doesn't really know what they want to do in their life. I, I <laughs> correction, correction. Not Ali says, Ali's dad says that. Ah, okay. Well, I say the same thing. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. I, I was interested in so many things that uh, I just thought if I go business, I might maybe get a chance at some point to get in, um, uh, to get involved in those things. Yeah. I don't need to pick, you know, whether I go physics or, or chemistry or engineering. 
mm. worst case i'm just an investor or you know i i, I get to do the admin stuff in the project but i i get to to to, to work with people like that mm. i mean i ended up running a, a software development company as well uh, so even though i'm not a software developer i i still have this this touch of technology yeah uh, so yeah i ended up in lancaster university it's up north in the uk mm. uh, studied uh, business administration uh in there uh with um actually i did one year in hp in london as, as my placement here all right uh, and and then i um so i've been always into into startups i before i wanted to to, to start the magnitude of things mobile apps i, I did a furniture startup once as well mm. uh, which is quite interesting um <laughs> i went to study a master's in um uh, entrepreneurship with ali it's quite a specific degree i mean ali, ali called it business but i i don't think it's it's business in a sense that most people understand it's not yeah. an MBA. It's not a business administration program. Mm. Uh, it's it's. I, I would call it a course, actually, a course on on uh, on the startup process, mm. and a program that gives you the the network because that was the key. You know, we we were taught by startuppers, uh, by business people, not by lecturers, and and that was yeah the key for me as well. I wanted to get out of this theoretical, managerial, uh, ground and go into something a bit more practical like this. Mm. Yeah. So this, 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 I just want to emphasize this shows the difference, right? So he had a whole methodical reasoning on why he applied to UCL. Well, in my case, it's like, I just don't want to, I, I wanted to do a business and I had no idea what to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's two ways to get to the same point. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, excuse me. Uh, by the way, I might cough occasionally. I'm still, I'm recovering from a cold. So, no um, so, and the, and so, so tell me about the business then. Can you want to go ahead, or you want me? Uh, well, it's been it's been three years, and we still don't don't have the the, the pitch nailed. <laughs> There's no pitch. <laughs> well, no, 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 I'm not I'm not I'm not saying you know. You don't no, So we uh, so we started Skillwork um, around uh, two and a half to three years ago. So we started at the end of 2019. Right. That's when we were finishing uh, our our degree at UCL. Um, I mean, before we we wanted to set something up with Ali, uh, we didn't have a specific idea. We we had some some things we've been working on, but we thought it's gonna be a more traditional startup uh, rather than an, an agency. Mm. But there's an opportunity for us. We were quite. I mean, we were young then. We didn't have any experience, any any kind of industry knowledge. That's probably why we decided to go and set up a company as well. I think now with all the knowledge, I would probably say, you know, it's going to be too hard to build something up like this. Yeah. Um, so we set it up and there was an opportunity to work on a project for from Bulgaria, uh, some educational platform funded by uh, Erasmus. Uh, and we said, you know, why not? Let's try it out. It will give us some money, uh, give us some experience. Uh, and somehow we ended up uh, setting up a software development agency. But because we, we've been so deeply involved with startups and and so well passionate about all the different ideas that we had and our, our course mates had, we decided, you know, we want to focus on startups solely. And mm -hmm. uh, we want to answer this question, how, how do we create a tech team that's the best at serving and working with startups? Mm -hmm. Uh, and at this point, we we are going uh, from a software development agency more into a venture builder, which, which right. means that um, 
we we involved ourselves with the founders that we work with so deeply uh, that we almost become their you know CTOs uh, and their internal team. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, and that, that's the key with working with startups. You just need to yeah. have that that passion for the for the project. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I actually had a call yesterday with a um, with a, a fairly new owner of a software business based in the states. And he was mm -hmm. asking for some advice because that's what I do, right? I jump on the phone with people. I give advice for free generally. Yeah. Um, I have my clients. I'm happy. I get paid. I've got a roof over my head. When I've got free time, I'll jump on. I'll jump on yeah. a call with anyone and, and just give advice, right? So I did it with this young guy who and and he was asking about advice for you know we're we're struggling. We're just starting out. We've got the small fish. We've got the small clients. We can't get the big ones. You know, mm. we want the ones with the budget of like 100K, 200K and stuff like that. And we started talking about it. I was like, dude, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I was like, it's not going to happen because no one knows who you are. You have no credibility. There's no trust. I was like, my yeah. best advice to you is, you know, you're sat there going, oh, we've only got a couple of small clients. Get a thousand small clients. Exactly. That's what you want to yeah. do. Get a thousand small clients because of, and, and be with them and hold their hand and give them full support as you know and show yourselves as allies to early stage businesses and who mm -hmm. want to build mvps and do it yeah. for cheap or do it for free do it for equity only do whatever you need to do because yeah. if one of those will turn into they one of those will secure series a funding yeah, you know? yeah. and then and then that's your big fish you know and it, yeah. so it's this and i and i think and interesting i said to him like, i think that we're going to notice a shift in a lot of the way agencies function whether mm -hmm. it's software agencies marketing agencies anything third party like that in becoming more of this uh, as almost like a team as a service mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. that, that like you said it's kind of almost like fractional that bolts yeah. onto your business and instead of people using that temporarily and then moving on i think people are going to yeah. keep using it yeah I, honest, I, you described it you described oh, it perfectly so this is yeah. exactly what's happened with us now mind you we do have a couple of uh larger corporates but that's just because of uh, us being at the more mature level now but yeah a majority of our clients <laughs> that are the ones let's say the ones that actually make us money and stuff like that mm. are those really small scale projects that started off with like a five thousand pound budget or something yeah. now have grown immensely and it's really nice to see because even a week ago um so around one month ago our client got acquired by a really big company right um and one week ago the the people that acquired him came into our office and i've got everything happening in the background by the way have you noticed <laughs> everything <laughs> happening it's right it's, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's the the, yeah. the new world we live in isn't it it's, exactly exactly yeah. but yeah so the, the, the their new investors and the CEO of that company came into the office and they were supposed to be sitting down and talking about long-term strategy of the company. Yeah. And I was well at the seat of the table with uh, on a seat of the table with them. Yeah. Even though technically in the traditional sense you wouldn't go and bring, you know, you, the, uh, your tech, uh, your IT outsourcing company to sit down with you yeah. and try and no, make APIs and business strategy for the next yeah. 5 years because realistically it doesn't matter to them. No, but you wouldn't, but you would probably want to. Like in an yeah. ideal world, you'd be like, you know, fuck, we need someone 
to yeah. to communicate this plan it would be so much easier if they were just here but i know that you know they haven't maybe got the competency to to understand mm -hmm. it or they may not be interested because they're working on project you know they're an agency they're working on other projects so it's like no. you know it, it, yeah and, and this is what i was saying to this guy yesterday it's like this is why i think this model is going to win because you know uh, yeah it's going to win out but 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 it does require individuals like yourselves to have far more than just the basic competency of you know knowing how to run an agency it's got to be yeah. more than that like and and you clearly have that because you of your backgrounds yeah. so but i think right. it's very interesting how it's going that's going to evolve and in some and in a lot of ways that's exactly what i do mm -hmm. you know i i get a seat at the table too because i'm there maybe advising from the very small scale sort of commercial advisory stuff but also right up to the to the far bigger picture stuff and it might yeah. be that we're very early on in that journey but um, and we're and I'm I'm you know going over RevOps or I'm doing you know doing some very hands-on sort of you know basic stuff. But it's I'm still yeah. going to get invited to the strategy meeting because we know in the six months once I've done doing that, like mm -hmm. we're on to the biggest stuff. You know, so it's exactly the same. So yeah. you know, I wouldn't be a, wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years' time, no one is actually full-time hired in a business. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's yeah. just agency. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, to be honest. The, the agency part is nice and it could be a good, like agencies can be a really good thing but at the yeah. same time at the way they are at the moment and yeah and i'm sure you can also just add into this is that the way traditionally the, the way they operate at the moment is it's very toxic in a sense that the second they see somebody that has a need they will try and extract as much value as they can from them without yeah. actually giving let's call it uh back the same value essentially you're not isn't getting that the same as an employer employee relationship really it is but it depends on culture it depends on culture i think with for the that most case. part i think especially in startup culture let's be honest mm. like if you've had much experience in startups it is pretty common that that and this doesn't happen all the time but it is pretty common mm. that you are expected to put in way more work as mm. as one of the uh, you know one of the founding team members and get paid way below market average <laughs> so is it really too different <laughs> no. uh, sorry jan you want you were going to say something a moment ago yeah no i was, I was gonna just agree you know the agency model has a very bad connotation in the in the industry right now mostly because the 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 barrier to entry is very small right uh, so there's a lot of a lot of agencies out there that uh people have really bad experiences with and that, that's that's what we're trying to fight as well. That's that's something that uh, that that we're trying. The first question is, you know, why why should I work with an agency as a, yeah. as a funder? Uh, funders usually, you know, it is expected from them to to hire their own people, maybe give some sweet equity and so on. Uh, so so there are, there are those those kind of notions of of an agency model that we we still need to battle every every day. Mm, but at the same yeah. time, we're we're quite competitive. Um, because we, we we go beyond the the the, yeah. the service that the basic service that we we do like you were saying as well you you don't only consult within your specific area but you um you put yourself into that managerial kind of coaching position mm, yeah uh, and you help out with uh, you know a magnitude of things i've been i've been migrating data for my clients i've been preparing some some data analysis for them mm. Well, you know, besides just uh, the technical stuff, I've been organizing um, uh, sessions where we are talking strategy, not technology. 
so yeah. we, we try to go beyond just technical help and and just coach the i think coaching is probably the best uh, the best the best the best word for it just yeah ask the right just, just be available right you know, and yeah. you know and just say look we've got this skill set be open and frank about it we've got this skill set if you need us we're here and wherever yeah. you get the opportunity to demonstrate one of those things to to, to add you know clarity and, and to, to, to 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 sort of make make clear yeah, to make clear that 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 is not just a false claim that you actually can demonstrate that ability and i think that's great but i think it's it's interesting though because it, it mirrors very much the lands the startup landscape, which yep. is you know being so competitive. Like let's be honest, everything is so competitive, right? Especially right now where we've got um, as a result of COVID and now mass layoffs, um, hundreds of thousands of people globally who've been made redundant. We're now seeing a massive increase in new businesses starting up, huge increase in in in, in startups being built. And let's be honest, the vast majority will fail. We know that, that that's what will happen. Um, also, you know, the vast majority of people, even before this, shouldn't have been startup founders for one reason yeah. or another, because if not everyone's cut out for it, it's a very, very small amount of people that I think have the, the correct skill set. And I think we all know that. Yeah. Um, so now that's just even further magnified, right? Um, so it's already an incredibly competitive space you know any vertical you go into as a startup is incredibly competitive there's an app for everything right there's five apps for the same thing like you know it's just the way it is so it you have to stand out and the way to do that is skill 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 you know yeah. it's how many skills can we stack how many things can i can i absorb and and not necessarily even master but become pretty good at because you don't you don't need yeah. to be a master or anything. You need to be pretty good at stuff. And once you can do that as a as a founder or even as a startup, and say, look, we're going to offer you know a, a pretty good variety of things. Because look, the, the the problem with a lot of software, as you probably know as well, is it gets that there, there's a sort of a pro and con to it. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, do I really need an app to do this one specific thing, or can I have an app that does everything? Yeah. You know, do it. Do I need an app to to like, like look at Google Suite? Do, do we need another um, uh, uh, Excel um, substitute? No, we've got tons. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, we've got a whole suite in Microsoft and so on. So it's like, yeah, but someone could really focus in on that and make it really, really great. But then they're making themselves, you know, they're sort of painting themselves into a corner, you know, versus someone who wanted to, to build a much bigger suite. So it's it's like, you know, it's kind of that I don't really know where I was going with that analogy, but you, <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like you know, either you really, really focus down on something and become absolutely genius at it, or yeah. you you have to broaden your horizons to to to, to be able to become um, useful to more than just one line yeah. of, uh, of yeah. yeah. Early, like like we were saying, early early startups, early stage startups is where mm. to. Uh, show a magnitude of of, of different skills, uh, yeah. and you have generalists like, for example, myself, that are probably the best suited for uh, for those early stage startups. But yeah. once obviously once the startup progresses, goes into a scale up, uh, has more um, more resources, then we need to start hiring uh, people who are very, you know who, whose area is, is is very very focused hmm. or experts in specific areas, but. That early stage generalists are very very important uh, for the yeah. business. Well, yeah. that's the thing. It is it is uh, generalists, but it's also being 
I guess maybe you can coin it as expert generalists, you know what yes. I mean? Because it's yeah. like, yeah. even if you're a generalist, that doesn't really mean that you know how to handle, a, let's say, a startup at the ideation stage, because there's mm -hmm. a lot of things that you need to do. You need to have the experience to, in our case, for example, if we're working with a first-time founder, one of the things that more often than not is going to happen is they're going to come in and tell us, I want to build this thing with AI and whatever. Mm -hmm. And we're the ones who have to tell him no. And yeah, instead of yeah. doing yeah. yeah, and we're like, you know, if you want to do that, great, just go work with somebody else. But if you want to work with us, that's not the way to go about it. That's not yeah. the way to go about building tech. And we basically have to explain to them that there's, you need to follow, you know, the lean startup methodology, essentially. You yeah. have to be lean yeah. and focused and do only small iterations rather than really huge pieces of chunks of work and throwing it out there. You know that you've raised a really good point there. That's that's something that I've noticed to be the difference with individuals like ourselves, because I think we've got very similar ways of working with founders yeah. um, ourselves, and say someone who is a bit more sort of focused on 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 one specific service, let's say that they provide. Um, I do like that sort of specialist generalist thing. Like, um, yeah, the, the the key difference is the ability to say no to a client. I found. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you know, whereas whereas when you are providing the, the, the more sort of linear service model, mm -hmm. it is, you know, you would never say no to a client. It's like whatever the client wants, you build because the yeah. it's it's assumed that once that's done, the relationship is over. And I find that incredibly short sighted. And I think that's the difference mm -hmm. with 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 um, the sort of specialist generalist approach is that it recognizes yeah. that the relationship with a client can be for as long as it needs to be you know it can be forever exactly. but it needs yeah. to start in a place of transparency and honesty it needs to start yeah. with demonstrating look we know what we're talking about um and while we're here we might as well impart that off to you um yeah. and hopefully that that will benefit us both and i and, and that, yeah. so it needs to start in that place of sometimes saying no which I think a lot of people no. are too afraid to do when it comes to a, a business relationship, right? Yeah, no, it, it def I definitely agree. And like, especially going when it back comes to, to AI. AI. <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes to AI. It's like the second somebody tells us AI, that's the moment we run away. We're like, no, yeah, not, yeah. not even close. Yeah, yeah. go integrate ChatGPT GPT and think it's AI. But have, no, you it's seen a, have you seen quite a considerable increase in people sort of uh, to be honest, with, with those sort of ideas? To be honest, no, really, because I think the network that we're like the way so a majority of the people that come to us who want to work with us it's all through well essentially our network and it's very much a network effect thing yeah mm -hmm. uh, we don't do any sort of uh let's call it uh ads or email cold call email you know emails or cold calls or any of that yeah and so i think let's say the quality of our prospects has increased in a sense that thankfully a majority of them are at least somewhat familiar with uh the whole startup methodology and that they might need AI one day, but they also realize that that's not right now. So yeah. I think we're, yeah. yeah, we're quite blessed with that. I'd say. I think as well, what we're, what we're noticing, at least from my perspective as well, is because there are more organizations um, that are taking this sort of approach generally as a result of that is there's a, it's a lot more that the marketing strategy, as you said, is more brand focused, which means it's naturally focused on, um, uh, on 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 some sort of content marketing strategy ordinarily, where it's based on giving out free information um, and wanting to just sort of educate, right, and just pass this information out there. And because of that, I think what we're seeing is a huge increase in availability to expert information. Like you were saying about how both of you wanted to go to that course because it was less 
less focused on the sort of academic approach and more focused on the practical. Like that is what people want now. And we're seeing yeah. more of that. We're seeing more transparency of entrepreneurs, successful business people sharing. I did X, Y, and Z. Like this is how I yeah. actually did it as opposed yeah. to just, you know. And because of that, I think what we're seeing is a lot more people approach their business for the first time, a lot more prepared, actually, yeah. at least in theory, you know, um, maybe than, than before. Yeah. Um, uh, I definitely agree to that because even, well, honestly, even take us in as, uh, as an example. So hmm. Jan and I, when we started off, well, essentially the, this company is our first ever job. And right. so, you know, when we started this off, all we were doing is talking to what you would consider our competitors, uh, other people who own software agencies who are more established than us. And we just continuously have meetings with them telling them about what their struggles are, them giving us advice, telling us, go explore this, go explore that. Mm -hmm. So by the time that we got to a point where, let's say, that we are now, we were very prepared, not because of our experience per se, but also because of all of the advice we've been getting from all of our different mentors. Yeah. And yeah. this is something I think that would have, you know, at least from the people we've spoken to who, let's say, are from the older generation, said that they didn't have that level of access to people. Oh, yeah. So it's like, you know, a, a great example of it is uh, our contracts. Uh, we didn't have the money to get a lawyer to write the contract. Uh, you know, those templates weren't going to be enough for us. And we were talking to one of our mentors and he's like, oh, here's a contract template that I pay the lawyer 20 grand for. Yeah. Use that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's just that's yeah. not the thing that used to happen. And now it's no. amazing to see the, the level of support that there is. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's just there's just more willingness to share, you yeah. know. Um, and and I think it's because of that realization, just like you, the philosophy that you employ with your founders, which is that we it's a net win. Yeah, you know, to do that, it it, it benefits all of us. You know, it, like your mentor probably did that because he realized that the more he shares with the people he's mentoring, the more they're going to want to work with him. Like it's 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 a symbiotic relationship it's not it doesn't take a genius to figure out that by sharing information everyone wins you know exactly yeah, a lot exactly. of, a lot of um, first time founders and young founders especially in that space of you know agencies and so on or, or let's say services b2b uh, they, they they have this notion that uh, i start a business i need to compete and yeah. there's uh, yeah. always talking about competition competing with that with that uh, it's always about competition, especially in, in the B2B sector. Mm. Uh, but we, I mean, we found out that well, partnerships obviously <laughs> work much better. So we don't, we don't compete. We, we, we collaborate even with companies that would, could be considered our, our competition and just works so much better. And it's, mm. it's a very, you would need to come to Poland, for example, or Bulgaria to see that, but there is a massive difference between how the uk businesses are approaching uh, this topic and how how businesses in the eastern europe are approaching this topic what do you uh, mean like they're more they're more com the, the, of the yes. competitive mind in, in eastern europe yeah 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 so in, yeah. in poland in bulgaria in general the the again the notion is that you always have to compete mm. fight with other businesses it's always a fight business is, is about fighting uh, with with other companies over clients mm. Mm. and in the uk there is the environment or, or maybe culture where you collaborate much more but I'm, I'm i'm saying this because we in some ways we compete with we have teams in bulgaria for example 
mm. so in some ways we compete also with with companies in bulgaria and it's it's super easy to mm. uh to, to 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 get clients because of the fact that uh, we we have this 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 different mindset and also yeah. because of the fact that we are well in the uk obviously and we are technically a british company even though we uh, we do have teams in, in bulgaria yeah to, to be fair though there's nothing more british in my perspective than both of your backgrounds like that's <laughs> do you know what i mean like for me that is what britain is because i didn't yeah. mention i didn't mention but i don't have any english blood in me whatsoever yeah, my yeah. mother's oh. my mother's french french algerian right oh. my, father, my father's from northern ireland so then and then so you know obviously beyond that germany um uh and yeah i was born in the uk but that's that's about it right yeah yeah <laughs> and and you know it doesn't take much to go back beyond algeria to egypt and then you know what i mean so i, I yeah, i'm surprised yeah, yeah. i'm even this color to be honest i i, I don't know <laughs> why it seems incredibly unfair uh, yeah. i i blame my father to be honest why i'm so transparent um <laughs> but yeah you know and and, and for me there's there's and i was born and raised in oxford and you know yeah. in in a house full of uh for, we had foreign students always staying with us so you know in learning mm -hmm, english mm -hmm. um and for, so for me being British is uh, not being English. <laughs> it's, it's it's having it's having a, a neighbour on the left from yeah. Poland and and uh, an over on yeah. the right from Jamaica. Or, you know what I mean? Like that's to me what it is. Yeah. It's like you know. So there's nothing nothing more British about your company than what it is. It's like the, the most British they could make. You know? It's a well, I'm, I'm, Yeah. And, and also, like, I'm glad to hear it. Uh -huh. No, for me, for me, that's my interpretation of Britain. Like you know, that's yeah. not England. I don't like it. Britain. <laughs> yeah, it's, we yeah. are we are the we are the we are a, a mixture of. And look, you don't need to say even history to discover that anyway. Like, yeah. You know, let's be honest. You can go even even more focused. And uh, London is like this. I mean, London is, yeah. is is a completely different, I would say, even country than than the rest yeah. of the UK. Yeah, I heard somewhere recently that that London is technically technically its own country, according. Yeah. I don't know if this was just some really strange internet room, but apparently there's some, there's some legal reason why, and it's to do with finance. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting. I, I didn't look it up, so I could be completely spreading yeah. misinformation, but there's something about that in a similar sort of way that the Vatican is considered a legal yeah. entity. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember exactly. during the Brexit days, there was that argument uh, where people were like, oh, London should turn it to, into its own little city-state, essentially. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so there, I remember reading something about that, but yeah, I don't think I'm, I remember fully what it was. So yeah, yeah it I could may be something have, I may to have, do with the city of London. Maybe. I may have dreamt that. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah. but, no, but you, you mentioned about the com com competitor thing. That's really interesting because, of, co of course, businesses need to compete. Right? Of course they do. Yeah. but it's about i think it's about the it's the attitude to walk towards how you approach that that's different isn't it but like you said about the yeah. collaborative nature of it versus the the making it the main focus like um you know part part of something the the process when starting a, a business as a founder is of course to do some sort of competitor analysis that's very important yeah. you know to understand the landscape especially for understanding pricing points what customers want and so on but i think some businesses or some business founders take that a bit too far and make it so integrated into their business um, that it's at every step of the way, we've constantly got to be monitoring what competitors are doing, constantly yeah. looking to try and steal away from them. And I think that's that's a that's a kind of bastardized version of what 
we talk about when we when we say being competitive in your market and doing a competitive analysis it's not the same yeah. thing you know you need to focus on home you know you need to make sure your your room is tidy first before going out there and criticizing other people's right and so i think it's kind of that that is the mentality that has, has shifted and i and i've worked a little bit in poland i've worked with some polish companies before um and and i know what you mean by that i have i have noticed that there seems to be a lot more of a focus and having been in the boardroom a few times when these topics have come up with Polish companies, um, I'm, I seem to be the only sort of voice to say, why are we so worried about this? Like, yeah. there's enough business for everyone. Let's focus on our products. Yep, <laughs> you, yep, know? Yep, yep. you know, um, so, or, or if you're so worried about this company, then let's learn mm -hmm. some lessons from them. Um, yeah, you know, that kind see, of thing. But, but, see, but, but you, you still need to compete, though. We need to understand that. You know, McDonald's and Burger King aren't going to sit in the same room and go, hey, guys, how can we uh, work together? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, that's the thing. It's all about mindset, to be honest. And it's yeah. something we learned really quickly. But uh, to be fair, we learned this in the UK because, you know, we obviously grew up in that environment of seeing people being like, oh, this guy's a competitor of mine. Uh, I practically want him dead, you know. Yeah. Uh, but when we came to the UK, it was like it was such a shock where you know we'd message uh, a company that's maybe let's say twice our size and we're like hey you know we're doing this uh do you mind if we have a chat not to try and sell you anything but honestly to just ask you for your advice and literally right before this call mm. uh we were talking to another it company that are like three times our size and the whole conversation was we were explaining to them where we are from a financial point of view and everything like that and setting the stage of what the company's doing at the moment. Mm. And then we just looked at them and we we're like, when you were in this position, how did you decide on what's next? Right. And so we're literally talking to our competitors on how to improve our company. Yeah. But again, that's a fairly, I guess, let's call it new concept that not many people do, but it genuinely yeah. does work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean that's interesting. I mean, I suppose you're 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 in a slightly different position to 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 some in a sense that, mm -hmm. like, you know, you probably wouldn't advise one of your founders to do that, in in a in a yeah. in a certain of space. course, yeah. But the re but the reason there is because let's say someone's developing an app to do a very specific thing, there may be only four or five other competitors in that space, and so it's a bit different compared to agencies of which there are thousands. So it's yeah. like you you know that the chances of you guys crossing paths. Or, or competing for exactly the same business at the same moment, it's probably rare, right? You know, unless exactly. you're in the top five. If you're in the top five of agencies consistently, then the top five might not share financial information because then you're going to give each other the edge and so on, you know. Um, of course. So like, it just depends on circumstance. But, but, mm -hmm. but, but yeah, it's a cultural thing for sure. But I think it comes from a couple of different places, right, like uh, as well. You, I, think, I think we're seeing a lot of that shift lead uh the, the, a lot of the, the 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 leaders make that shift because of just like yourselves a lot of these business owners and founders go to have gone to school together yeah. like you know they they know each other you know <laughs> and then they've gone exactly. with these different companies and then they meet every year for you know a catch-up and they're like hey how's your company going yeah no, not too bad it's like oh what you founded the same sort of thing as me you bastard like you know <laughs> and then it's just like ah well you know let's help each other out you know but there's that too as well as just the, i think the mentality of just let's all succeed you know yeah, that's true. My, my, my company is better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's always it's always a hard one, but we we try to be very transparent on our side. We we just speak with people. We we try to kind of compete, but in a in a collaborative, yeah, uh, in a collaborative manner. And like you're saying, you know, it, it, 
if it comes to small companies like ours, uh, in most cases, we're, we're not really competing with, with other companies. Uh, you have software agencies with exactly the same profile or very similar profile, but hmm. having access to a very different network. And I yeah, told them yeah. because we were thinking at some point, you know, who, who are we actually competing with? You know, we can't we can't name some random company from, I know, Bulgaria as our competitor uh, yeah. because, you know, we, we saw we saw them in the news once. Hmm. So I said, probably our competitors are companies that have access to the same network that we, we do. And anyone that does not have access to the same network is not our competitor. Yeah, I suppose in your line of work, your biggest competitor are, um, are founders who are technically minded, right? Yeah. So, so well, essentially, people who want to build it themselves. Like that's that's yeah. essentially your biggest competitor. Yeah. If know, we speak about about competition in this format, then yeah, like Netflix was was saying, you know, they they compete with with sleeping. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we do we do compete. We all with, compete with sleep. <laughs> yeah. We, we do yeah. compete with, you know, with with having freelancers. We do compete with uh, just hiring people yeah. yourself. Uh, but we also, um, it, it's a it's a it's a hard one as well. I mean, there is a lot of complexities around why people choose to work with an agency. Oh yeah, of course. I once spoke with uh, with a uh, with uh, an agency like yours, um, a founder before of a, of a software agency. who said his biggest competitor was stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> I like that because I was like, yeah, that pretty much applies to everyone. You know, he was like, he's like, I can't overcome objections that are based on stupidity and lack yeah. of knowledge. I can't do anything. That I was like, yeah, you're right. Like none of us can. <laughs> but 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 you know, they're they're the ones you don't want. I said, and he was like, yeah, but sometimes they've got a lot of money. I'm like, well, you know, what can you what can you do? You know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's true as well. But like speaking of founders with technical skills, thankfully uh, there is a very limited number of uh, founders with very very strong technical skills. Mm. Number number one problem probably for any founder that wants to build a software uh, product is finding a CTO. Mm. That's that's num number one problem for everyone because, well, thank God for that. I I, I like I thank for this every day. Uh, there is a very small number of founders that are both really great at, at business and also very good <laughs> technical people. And if if there are, are like this, you know, we 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 see Microsoft, we see Facebook. Mm -hmm. um we see apple they were all built by people with great technical skills and mm -hmm. great knowledge of of business so yeah that's true like so i'm i'm in i'm in quite a lot of different sort of subreddits on reddit and yeah. uh, the vast majority uh of the the sort of founders or want wanna be founders in the saas um sort of startup ones are technical founders um, yeah. But they can't. They can never really seem to get to that next stage because they don't have. They yeah. have little to no business, or you know, primarily sort of sales and marketing, commercial yeah. acumen, and that's their barrier. So they're the one. They're they're looking for co-founders, and then in other reddits, you've got the business that's sort of minded point. ones who have the idea and uh, need the CTOs, and they and they have no idea. And there's no way that these two people could ever work together because they both have their own ideas you know I, I sort of want to i almost want to start like a tinder for this kind of thing where it's like there's got to be two of you out there that have the same yeah, yeah. Like, there's, yeah. A, there is a bunch of those and they predominantly um you know dominated by just business funders yeah. it's really hard to find because the technical people they they, they don't go out there i mean mm -hmm. we, we we work with developers who are amazing developers 
who don't know other developers. How is it possible that you know you're a developer with 10 years experience? Yeah, you don't know any other developer. They you know they literally just, just like to sit down and 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 code in peace. They don't network. They don't go to those events. Um, mm. That's that's really hard for for a business fund fund uh, for a, like business oriented funder to get in the mindset of of a technical finder, and that's why it's very hard for them to find people uh, like this. Uh, not talking yeah. about the fact that if you don't know technology, you speak with a potential CTO who's uh, who knows some things and knows the business side. It's very easy for that CTO to to oversell himself and you know yeah. throw a couple of of keywords that, that's why we call ourselves business oriented uh, techies as well in in, in the company because we when we work with founders that are not technical we 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 are that uh, it's, it's, you know that that's that, that that thing in the middle that kind of connects them with our technical teams we know how to speak with our developers and we know how to speak with the founders on the business side and actually yeah. time to this it's, it's a very interesting topic I think that the, the the base of our success, or the fact that we we managed to build a company beyond, let's say, that ten people, fifteen people, uh, is well. One thing is is our partnership with Ali and you know our kind of relationship. Yeah, but another thing is the fact that we we are not technical people, and we we know we don't know much about technology. We know enough to kind of mess around with the code, but we don't know enough to. I'm saying myself and Ali sit down and actually code something and, and mm -hmm. build a full platform. And it, it was super hard at the beginning because many small companies start where, you know, you, you get a first client and you kind of serve the client yourself mm. to the service. And this is how many software development agencies started. But the problem with that is that the founder gets a, a, a engaged in, uh, in those projects and mm. they don't have time to actually build the company up. So that they get to a point where they maybe have two, three people to help out, mm. and that they can scale beyond that. And because we were limited and we we couldn't do anything ourselves, yeah. The only option for us was to build it to a certain stage where we can well pay ourselves through the through the margins, not mm. from actually doing the, the the work for the clients. Yeah. So you were for, you were forced to almost step over that stage. Yeah. Exactly. First, and that, that's why we uh, we managed to, to to build it beyond what a typical software developer could could do. There's a lot of software development agencies that are built by developers, mm. and they usually are very small, like three to five people. Mm. And the reason they can't go beyond that is because the the founders are usually coding on the projects, mm -hmm. and they are very scared to kind of step back because it requires you to. Well, it requires you to to uh, make money on the margins and yeah, build yeah. up enough margins to to pay yourselves, especially if you have two funders. Requires probably at least ten people in the company to mm. uh, to work on projects. And then there becomes that inflection point based on that glass ceiling, doesn't there? Which is, you know, at what point uh, do you do the founders expect to start being founders and step yeah, yeah. away and and right. hand over the reins and focus more on building the business yeah. and yeah and uh, client exactly. relationships and so on yeah so that's an interesting kind of little thing i i noticed <laughs> with mm, any yeah. other other teams that we uh, we work with mm. and it's interesting as well you mentioned about some of the, the 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 developers you work with who were who were you know didn't know any other developers and that they're sort of very much in their own little world that's kind of like what we were talking about what i was trying to say earlier about you know you can either become hyper focused on a specific area and skill 
um, to the point of like almost obsession um, and become so good that you are, you know, sought after, right, as, a, as, a, as an expert on something or the route that we're sort of the where area we sit in, which is the specialist generalist. Um, and I suppose yeah. then there's the third option, which also we are seeing an increase of, which I mentioned a bit about earlier, which is the useless generalist, <laughs> which is, you know, someone who's touched a few things and they think they know everything. And look, I, I am always worried that I might actually be in that category because yeah. of the thing about being in that category is that you don't realize you are in that category. You think you're in the specialist generalist category. So I'm always a bit worried that like, actually, shit, I might actually be completely useless. But thankfully, I think, your business success will be an indication of that, right? So if, if if you don't have any clients after a certain amount of years, then you're probably one of them. But um, yeah. but no, I just I just find it interesting because it's, I mean, I, I suppose how do you how do you have the self awareness to to recognise where you lay in that and where your weaknesses are? Because there is a risk of being a, a specialist generalist, if we, as we've coined it, that you you say, okay, I don't want to learn any more about this area because I don't want to be a specialist in it. I'm happy with my, my area of knowledge there. Um, but equally, you know, there must be areas in which you're, you're, you're weaker and, and you maybe need improvement. So I mean, but how, how, do you, how do you guys sort of find a way of being self-aware enough or, or, or to, to know where you maybe need to spend more time to upskill and, you know, become more knowledgeable? Ali, I think you're you're muted because we can't hear you. Or your AirPods, yeah. maybe. And they died. They died. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, Jan, what do you think? Yeah. Um, well, I uh, there's always a, a level of self awareness. I, I guess you know that's up to a certain person. I, I think I'm quite self aware of of my well shortcomings. Um, mm. And that's that's one of the reasons I work with Ali as well because I'm I'm aware that I'm not as good as in in building relationships and and just general sales uh, as Ali is. Um, I actually well, funnily enough, I'm in the process right now of creating a curriculum for myself uh, where right. I want to identify what kind of skills I might need uh, and uh, start working on them. Um, so I think it, it comes with, with just experience uh, with in, in working in, in the company. Now I think I understand better uh, what are the skills I might need to hone uh, to help our teams. Uh, but I also the, the the second thing is I also I know I'm a generalist and I know when to to step back. I'm not I won't be forcing myself to 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 work on you know help help out for example one of our developers. Mm. Uh, in an area that I don't feel very good in, unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. So my my role and Tali's role as well is just to tie things together uh, and make sure that the, all, all of the specialists that we have work um, well w work together towards a, a, a common goal. Yeah, and to be honest, it's 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 kind of the same with me. So uh, one of the key things I think that really works well is between Jan, me and Stan, our CTO, is that we're very uh, critical of each other, but in a, you know, take it as a more of a construction, a constructual criticism type of way. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we all know what are our skill sets and where we lack. So in my case, for example, is let's say my method for business development is very sporadic in a sense that it's unpredictable and how it, how it happens. Like I really mm -hmm. can't explain, it just works. 
Um, and Yan, on the other hand, is very well organized and structured and everything like that. Very slow. And very slow. <laughs> so basically, we are exact opposites of each other. And the mm. only reason it works is because we always meet in the middle. Where yeah. Jan would like to take a slow approach, I would like to take a really fast-paced approach. But mm. throughout this journey of building this company out, we just slowly started realizing that uh, like, I need to get more elements from, let's say, Jan's methodology. And he needs to get more elements from my methodology. And mm. And essentially, we just talk to each other about how we did this, how we did that, and just kind of consult each other on uh, how to improve ourselves to a certain yeah. I, I think I think in general, I think a problem uh, a generalist becomes a problem when they start working on uh, well tasks that include a very deep deep, deep knowledge. So essentially, uh, it's it's not obviously true all the time, but essentially working uh, and and delivering, uh, for example. Projects uh, for for the clients. Mm. A task for myself as a journalist should be to um, facilitate the delivery of a project. Yeah, yeah. Not to deliver the project itself. So I need to find the, the right people to do it. I need to understand kind of which areas need to be covered, what kind of people need to be hired, and uh, and kind of tie everything together. Mm. And the problem becomes when I start, uh, I know, project managing the the project, or I start doing. Uh, QA or maybe I start coding and I kind of learn myself yeah. and start doing some front end. Yeah, uh, this is the problem for generalists when they start to get more involved in uh, in things they shouldn't. They should find the specialist. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Let, let the specialist take the lead. Have the trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to do that because that that is I suppose that's a demonstration of that self awareness to say yeah. that I know that I can't lead on this. Yeah, um, yeah. I, and I suppose that that's why. And, and maybe this is true for you. I'm assuming it is based on your success up till now. But I, I suppose that is why individuals with that approach as well will likely have a very high um, EQ for talent, mm. right? To, uh, and being able to identify talent. Because I think, you know, and, and that's generally what I've noticed. Because what you're explaining and your dynamic and everything definitely is representative of some of the other um uh, founding teams that I've seen to be very successful is having this dynamic. And that seems to always be one of the core attributes as well as at least with one individual within the founding team yeah. has a very good eye for talent. And I think you have to, right? If you're, yeah. if you're not a specialist in any particular area, you're you, the, at the very least, I think there is a specialism in, a, in identifying talent to yeah. bring in, to but, lead these projects and fill in the gaps that you may have. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. That's what a, that's what a generalist is supposed to do. So that we pride ourselves that we're uh, masters of none. But essentially what we're good at is. Well, I think, Ali, we, no, we are masters. So a generalist needs to be uh, actually a specialist, uh, yeah. a specialist in communication. Yeah. A generalist right. yeah. in other yeah. things. I think that's yeah. that's. So it's 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 communication, but it's also, I guess, being able to read the room. So understanding mm -hmm. when is the right time to plug in uh, X type of person, X type of specialist in. So yeah. it's having that general understanding of, or let's call it situational awareness. I think that's a yeah. better way of saying it. Yeah. yeah. A generalist really needs to have great situational awareness so that he's able to actually bring in the right people to actually come in and execute whatever needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And you know that in and of itself is its own um beast that you have to tackle and yeah 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 and i suppose that just comes down to, to having to, to, to trying to put in place a process 
which is constantly evaluating the situation as well, right? Exactly. So you 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 you're always and and that 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 also I suppose works with accountability too, in mm. the sense of you're constantly keeping each other accountable, which it, you know in some senses is evaluation. You're evaluating one another. You're evaluating the situation with the clients, and it's like okay, well you know like you said with the the situational awareness. We have got to a point now with this client where we need to move it to a different stage. We need to step yeah. away. We need to bring others in. I suppose, and I suppose also not working in a vacuum is very useful for that too. For the same reason, is that you know you have each other, like you said, to bounce off one another. I think for myself, one thing that I I always worry about in in myself, like I said, is you know, am I am I that other guy? And and a lot of that comes down to the fact that I work solo. Mm-hmm. And so my concern there is by. Um, I, I have to try and double down on uh, when I work with clients on, on mm. asking for feedback, feedback as regularly as possible mm-hmm. um, because because I, I'm aware of the fact that working in a vacuum and not having someone to call me out on my bullshit yeah. would mean that I, I could fall into that trap, like you said, yeah. Jan, of trying to take a project too far with, with a client when in fact actually I should recommend that they pass it on to someone else in their team or, mm-hmm. or maybe another specialist in my network. And that, that's always something that I'm very hyper aware of. Yeah. you know yeah. um so i can see that as becoming I, a problem sure I, I i do admire solo funders <laughs> mm. i don't know how how you guys are, are are running businesses like this i i have no idea you know without ali i probably couldn't wouldn't be able to sell anything and i would be overthinking everything mm. just not getting anything done I assume, likewise well, just Ali without me probably would descend into chaos and uh, end up uh, you know, a yeah. homeless person yeah <laughs> you took that much farther than you did for yourself i like that you would pro- yes, i'm probably okay here it's like you know uh, it's, yeah i'd probably be okay we wouldn't have any clients but i'd have a house but he he would be on the street like <laughs> yeah no i think both so the, the reason why i would be without the house is because if uh, I'm let off the leash, essentially, I will go get the client to do anything like that and just take on a risky project without maybe looking at it in a right. more, let's call it, uh, Yan lens. And that's the moment I'll get burnt. Well, in Yan's case, he would be sitting on a Miro board trying to plan out his business strategy for 50 years and never actually execute. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but hey, I love a good mirror board. So <laughs> I hate the mirror board. <laughs> yeah, no, I love I love them. I, I literally was making one before we jumped on the call. So there you go. <laughs> I do love this. Thing. I do yeah, this. yeah. No, that's really interesting stuff. Like it's um, and and I suppose do you, do you do you find that you're coming across a lot of um founders that are that are in similar positions to you in 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 terms of this sort of you know dynamic. Um, or is it more that you, are you coming across more solo founders or are you coming across, you know, what's your general? We, I think we, so there, there has been a few, well, a good thing has been that, uh, we, we met a couple of very successful founders that, uh, had a very similar or exactly the same dynamic as, as, as we do. Right. So, Ali, for example, the, the guys from, um, uh, from the luggage, luggage, what, what was the name? The Asher. Ash- Stasher, yeah, exactly, Stasher. So the um, Anthony and uh, was the other guy's name? I don't remember. Yeah, so the, those guys are. I mean, they're very successful. Stasher is is a, a company that allows you to kind of stash your luggage when you're going sightseeing or something like that. Uh, they oh, were... I think I've heard of those guys. I think yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anthony, Anthony Collins. They were featured in Forbes 30 Under 30. Yeah, yeah. And they literally had exactly the same dynamic as, uh, as we do. 
Uh, I think um, one of our lecturers as well uh, had had a very similar business partner. So mm. we noticed in in the successful founders, you know, we, we can talk, for example, Steve Jobs as well, and uh, uh, the, 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 they they have co-founders that are very opposite mm. themselves, and they have a very similar dynamic than to to what we have. And we also yeah. met a very a, a bunch of unsuccessful founders. Uh, who who just have exactly the same person working with them, mm. and that never ends. Well, I I started my first business with a with a person who was quite similar to me, and it, mm. it doesn't go anywhere. I thought I suppose because if let let's think about this logically, right? If we if we strip this down, it's just it's about relationships. That's all it comes down to, right? And 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 I think it's it's safe to we can probably agree. I don't know, maybe you might disagree, but I, I, from my perspective, it's. A good relationship is one that um, is prepared for change and yeah. very importantly, changes together, right? So, you know, uh, in romantic relationships that I've been in, for example, the ones that didn't work are when we grew up to into different directions. We, you know, the, 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 yeah. we, we weren't collaborative in our approach in our relationship and so we grew apart into different directions. And I've noticed that this is exactly the same thing in business relationships. But the thing is that the reason why that tends to happen is because if you're very, very similar, you're not giving each other any uh, any advice to be different. Like it's, you know, or, or to change or to keep up with with what is changing around you. And the reality is the world changes around us. And yeah. in business, I think that's amplified far more than in personal life, where you need to continuously ensure that you're adapting to the changing landscape. And unless you have someone that can identify um, your differences, then they can't point them out to say, you have a shortcoming based on how the landscape has now changed. Sure. You now need to fulfill, you need to you know, adapt to that change. It's just, well, you are me and I am you. We, we are, but also, we are, um, yeah. also covering uh, those sort of shortcoming you know, th themselves, because Again, it, it's uh, I, I agree with the the fact that we need to change, we need to develop, and so on. But there's only as much as, as we can do, uh, and the more focus there is, the better. So I, I don't, I don't, for example, I don't feel great at um, going out and uh, kind of kicking off the a relationship, just going yeah. on a, on an event and and networking. Mm. Ali feels very good at it. I could probably learn this, but you know, I can spend teaching myself more about finance so that we can keep our company yeah, yeah. then ali will will you know will cover this for me so we, we mm -hmm. almost uh, you said about unsuccessful romantic relationships but in the successful romantic relationships after a while you just become a single person with, with your spouse mm -hmm. yeah right and same thing if you have us here we, we morphed into a, a single founder uh, and many people don't don't even say you know Ali or or they don't say Jan separately. They say Jan and Ali, and yeah. a lot of our partners say, you know, let's go and speak with Jan and Ali, <laughs> not with uh, not with Ali, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not with just Ali. And and that's the sides of the same coin kind of thing. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. Like it's gotten <laughs> to the point where yesterday, for example, he was away, and a client that technically he mostly deals with hmm. calls me and uh was asking me some uh, about some questions and stuff like that and uh when i answered and everything he's like are you sure yan is going to be okay with this and stuff and i'm like yeah don't worry this is exactly what he would say and right. it's like it's just because of the fact that we've worked together for so long that we complement each other's to the extremes so just like how he said he 
likes to be extremely focused on some particular things. I'm the opposite. So what usually happens is I'm the guy who goes around and just jumps around everywhere, checks what's what's happening all around us. And then while he's focused, I kind of pull him out of his focus and then we discuss together and focus on that. Then I disappear. He goes back to his thing. I go back to mine and we yeah. just keep rotating like that, essentially. Jan, with that situation, um, with that client, did you agree with what he said? I, I did, yeah, I did. I did. Okay. I did I'm just checking. Uh, no, no, we, we usually, I mean, we usually, we usually agree on, um, like Alice is saying, you know, we, I, I think, well, observing other people that work with other people, it's, it's, uh, the, the kind of relationship we mentioned to build is, is quite rare. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's the, the cornerstone, probably the main thing why, why we are, uh, you know, on some level succeeding right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we it's, it's, it's organic as well, right? Like you can't it force is. this kind of thing. It was and natural that, and thank God yeah. for, for UCL because UCL is, you know, where we met. Uh, mm. It's actually a funny story as well. I mean, it's, it's a very short story, but I, um, when, when we started our master degree just before the, the, the start, I, I had uh, a, um a, a search of extraversy <laughs> let's, let's call it oh yeah so this is <laughs> we we meet uh, does anyone want to meet uh, for a beer uh, 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 no uh, so every time he says it that way and it's completely wrong so he has a tendency to be very robotic in the way he texts and stuff like that right so, and uh, i'm gonna find the quote yeah there it is and i quote this is his facebook post anybody i uh, know anyone would be willing to, uh, to meet and get a beer today. And this perfectly describes the formal uh, the formality of how he texted right. his personality. And right. It's hilarious. It was a formal, I, I regretted it straight away. Uh, <laughs> no one replied to me. No one replied to me except from, from Ali. Right. We we met with, with Ali as usual, you know, Ali being Ali, he went to a completely different <laughs> Honest Burgers that we, we agreed to meet at. Mm. He called me and say, "I'm at I'm at the place," and I said, you know, "I'm at the place as well. Where are you?" And he he was he was a few hundred meters from the actual place because right. he messed up some, <laughs> some details. So we met over so that almost uh, immediately. You're having to parent him. Yeah, yeah, it's the right location. We connected. Uh, we connected over our dad's kind of experiences with their business funders because mm. uh, they, they they were badly burned by some of their uh co-founders and right. uh, and straight away you know fast forward we ucl gave us this environment where we could collaborate with each other test out how we work together and kind of try it out mm. which i am very grateful for so we had a year where we could just spend time together without uh the complexities of running a business because the problem is that if you find a co-founder on some networking event and you don't know how they work yeah. and you straight go into the running a business which is the the, the toughest thing you can probably do right mm -hmm. there's gonna be problems there's gonna be frustrations you're gonna yeah. lose money you will have to put money in yeah. uh, i mean it's it's there is a very small chance that you guys will kind of survive together without building that bond before exactly. but we, we yeah. managed to do it uh, at uh, at ucl and we were, we were coming out from ucl and setting up a business we already had this relationship uh figured out and we managed to kind of solve all the problems that uh happened yeah uh, we also have a set of rules i think that are quite important for should be important for auto founders so obviously you know radical transparency feedback etc etc in communication is key but we also 
decided uh, that we we go into every single business together no matter if it's uh, something that ali probably could profit mostly for or maybe i could profit mostly for like even buying flats for rent hmm. we we thought about this and um, a lot of drama happens when the founder goes and does something on the side and yeah. the other founder kind of feels excluded or maybe not enough attention is given to to him so we decided as a rule you know going forward every single thing we do no matter where it comes from we we do it together exactly. no cheating no it's cheating. not a, it's not an open relationship no, yeah. no even even the investment in amc ali <laughs> oh yeah oh my god i hate that when we lost a bunch of money together on the on the meme stock <laughs> I, 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 got that that. I blame you for that i was, then, I, I, was I, I made two thousand pounds in in two days and the problem is that we didn't sell we, we made a lot of money mm. and we decided it's gonna go to the moon and didn't go to the moon <laughs> <laughs> now oh, we're okay. stuck we're stuck with a bug 60 percent down and uh well, exactly oh, but, yeah, the, the one thing I'd, I'd emphasize about everything he was saying as well is all about just the transparency side of thing and yeah uh, so it's not just transparency within let's call it the business context but it's, it's it's even to the point of like personal context you know we yeah. talk about everything that we're doing you know uh where we want to live uh, if one of us is uh having any sort of trouble with anything else everything is always laid out mm. so that we can then use that information as context for whatever is going to happen. Mm. You know, it's, it's gotten to a point where it's like, uh, you know, I don't, if I needed to go on a date and I couldn't make it to the date and he goes instead of me, I think he could, uh, you know, <laughs> me, essentially. I, uh, I'm, I'm replacing Ali today. Yeah. 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 I'm his stand-in. Yeah. You know, actually the best example is, uh, in 2020 uh, because we when we started the business the pandemic hit and yeah. uh, we went back to poland ali went back to bulgaria and i also have a girlfriend um uh, now living with me in london but she she's she's more of a family person so she, she really wanted to stay in, in in poland she didn't feel good in the uk mm -hmm. so i had a moment of weakness and you know we're running the company remote and i said to ali you know should we consider maybe me coming to london every month for a week but me leaving here and you, you go to london and, and do your thing and ali was straight away i mean he was he was open with me that you know fine if if you need to do it do it but at some point i might feel like i'm doing more work than um uh than, than you because you're sitting right. in poland it will be comfortable you know making more money mm. and then i'll be i'll be out there fighting and thank yeah. thank you for that because you know we, we decided to go to to london it's a very good decision you know we have an office i i managed to kind of create an environment where my girlfriend is feeling good mm. uh, and I, I bought myself a couple more years and we, we don't want to stay in in, in the uk forever anyways mm. so we we managed to make it work and uh, and i think that was one of the key moves as well for our company to start to start growing because now mm. when i come yeah. back to Poland, i feel disconnected from it's interesting isn't it? because ali you could have kept that to yourself yeah you, you very easily could have just gone now nah, that's a no i'm just being self you know what is yeah. you could have doubted that feeling mm. and thought no i don't need to vocalize that that's not fair or whatever and i think we all do that quite often we, we sort of go well yeah you know someone's explaining to me their situation it's what they want it would be it's not my place to say how i'm feeling you know and i suppose that that comes down to that that skill that you talked about that you have which is that situational awareness yep 
exactly. um, and that level of maturity to understand, no, this is important. The way I'm feeling right now actually is important. This yeah. is something worth focalizing. And and it, it may have potentially been the reason why you guys are still around just because of that. And I'm sure there are plenty of moments that have occurred in your dynamic together like that from both of you mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. have kept you together for as long as you have been in, in, in this in this and, and and successfully running this business just because if you have decided to speak up at the right moment versus speaking okay. up unnecessarily about something um, and also probably the way you approach actually saying it right yeah because there's a, there's a way of saying that which can be quite combative yeah um, or passive aggressive versus a way of saying it which can just be practical and and constructive and i and so there's there's a there's a level there of communication like you said being yeah. specialists in communication which i suppose is key because that, that is 99 of any partnership isn't it is it, so it is it, it really is because it's like even there were so before let's say yan moved out to uh moved back to london for example because yeah. i was based here before him i got to go and meet a lot of our let's call it most important clients in person and kind of form mm -hmm a personal relationship with them. And the immediate conversation I had with Yan about this is we literally spoke about the fact that, that I was having to check in whether or not he felt left out in any way. And it wasn't because, how should I say it? It wasn't going to go and directly benefit me uh, if I know that he's not, he doesn't feel left out in any way because I'm the one who's actually there and doing everything. But mm -hmm. rather it's because long term this could lead to some you know turbulences down the line yeah 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 it's just it's honestly all about open communication and it's the same now with the company so now we're plan we're going to be sitting in london i don't think for the foreseeable future we're moving anywhere but i've already told jan that my plan is that if we eventually do expand to the middle east for example i'd be very keen to move to dubai there and i would be fine to move there on my own because now we're at a very different stage in our company's life and our personal life where mm -hmm. we can actually allow for that to happen but back in the day it was very critical for us to both be in the room because we were both trying to prove ourselves and both trying to grow this together so it's a yeah it's a it's a pickle <laughs> yeah yeah and i suppose that, now that's interesting because i was i was thinking as well a, a lot about as you both have been describing your working relationship with one another about other mm -hmm. founders that have had similar that i've encountered that have similar dynamics mm. and it's usually it's usually only ever two two founders that I, I, I very rarely I don't I can't think of any circumstances where I've met more than two yeah um, that work together that have that dynamic. But what I've also seen is that when it comes to adding a third person to the room or a fourth person to the room, mm -hmm. things start to break down. Yeah, like that. That's when that's when turbulence hits um when the, and and which is why a lot of the clients i work with are at the scaling stage or just about to start scaling mm. because they're I, I call it the growing pains of a scaling business occur where quite often um the pressure of the weight of the the task at hand crushes the foundations that were built beneath it and even the best relationships can suffer because of this sudden new addition of a lot of you know more people and and they don't appreciate the relationships yeah. that's there um, and sometimes they even try and manipulate those relationships that are there and yeah. a lot of times can happen like do you ever do you ever foresee that as being a problem have you ever discussed that you know between so, yourselves and be like how are we going to approach that when we want to start scaling and we need to start adding more people to our room so that's the thing is we we kind of 
we kind of do have that problem to a certain sense. Right. In the sense that we do have other people who are at, let's call it the C level that uh, advise us, that work with us and stuff like that. Mm. And it, it's, again, it kind of goes back to situational awareness, to be honest with you, because yeah. uh, let's say a good example is I, I'm able to form a closer relationship with a certain C level. So for example, I, I think I have a closer relationship with our CTO, for example, than Yan does. Mm. And although they don't have a bad relationship, it's just that if times get tough, more like it would, and let's say Yan and I have some sort of agenda that we need to take care of that. If Yan presented it, we knew that it was going to be taken in a slightly more, um, let's call it negative way. That's the moment where Yan and I would agree and we'd be like, okay, rather than me presenting it to this person, you go ahead and do it because you have a better relationship with them. Right. And again, it goes back to honest, uh, to well, transparency and honesty between us two. Because of, and so by having that direct and open conversation between each other, we're able to assess the situation better and decide on, let's say, who has to manage which relationship mm. it's supposed to go, for example. And, you know, the easiest one is exa the example with our CTO and, let's say, our accountants. Mm. I hate talking to my accountants, and I kind of think that they hate talking to me to a certain extent. <laughs> right. So it's like if I ever need anything, I don't even bother asking them. I just talk it out with Yan, and then he goes and takes care of it because mm. it's just going to be less friction that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's the same with this, uh, with our CTO, for example. So it's just, yeah, I think I'm, um, I'm, being aware. Yeah. Ali, Ali has a lot of social capital to kind of spend. Social <laughs> I, I, capital. <laughs> it's called, it's called, I think it's called social capital. You know, the, the kind of. Uh, Such a robot. I love it. Sorry. <laughs> the, kind of energy, the kind of energy you spend uh, talking yeah. to people. So no, I, I've, I, I, I've actually heard that expression before and it's been directed yeah. at me before i've i've had yeah. someone and i and i think it was actually someone polish um maybe. as well funnily yeah. enough that said the well, same thing to me yeah maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. but I, I do have i do have a lot less of that I, i'm aware of it and it's not something i can also jump through and suddenly become you know super energetic and be able to speak with a thousand people every day so i'm really good at building relationships with um a small number of key people like mm. for example, Ali, um, that have that network behind them, and I usually like I saying I, I say, you know, if there is something to be done, and I, I think that Ali has a closer relationship with that person, uh, I, I in many ways I just say, you know, I, I need we need to do this and that. How about you, you go and speak with that person? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I won't be again. I won't be forcing myself into uh, trying to 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 build up that relationship. Uh, beyond what i'm capable of or, or going and trying to force this person to do something even though i don't have enough relationship yeah it's funny ego it. plays a huge part in this all right yeah. and, and and this is something i i talk anyone who knows me will know i talk a lot about egos getting in the way of, of success when it comes to founders i have worked with some absolute asshole founders in my yeah. time and i'm not afraid to put it out there yeah. right and the majority of the time it's because they have such an overinflated ego and so, mm -hmm. so, so mm -hmm. self uh, a sense of self-importance, you know, um, yeah. where they, where, where the decision-making processes in like the, the examples you've just given would have been, well, I'm the CEO, so I should be the one to speak to them. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and that's and that's the decision making process is based on status. It is ego fueled yeah. and it is. Well, it is me. So I should be the one to do it. And yeah. that is always where I see people fuck up. Like, yeah. you know, you can easily if you are self-aware enough and you and you and you are uh, checking your ego enough at the mm. door to be able to go. Do you know what? We've got a junior member of staff. Actually, they've got a good relationship with that client. They should be the one to, to break this news to them. It yep. doesn't matter that I'm the CEO and they're junior. We know they've got a relationship, but these, but 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 that you know, when you have ego in the way, it doesn't allow you to do that. And and time and time again, that's I see that fail. So, you know? yeah, so funny story, right? Is just because we've opened the topic of ego. So mm -hmm. this is something that, you know, I don't think we ever struggled with. Thankfully, I think, but because the thing is, right? At least with us, the mentality, and I'll get to the story with this point, is that. The mentality we have is that regardless of who they think is in charge or what's happening, to be honest, at the end of the day, it is just uh, me and Jan, you know. So it's like if they think Jan is in charge, but they're still paying the bills, I still benefit off of that. And vice yeah. versa. It, it does not really matter. Mm -hmm. And a good example of that is we had a client that we worked for with for two years, I think. And mm -hmm. one year into the relationship, is when they realized that I'm actually a co-founder and they thought I was a project manager this whole yeah. time. But then again, I was like, you know, first of all, I never really uh, tried to tell them, oh yeah, I'm the co-founder or anything because mm -hmm. I didn't care. But then when they told me, oh, we thought you were a project manager, I found it funny. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, good for you, man. I don't care. You know, think yeah. of me as whatever you want. I, I call myself the cleaner of the company, you know, I'm the one, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. And it, yeah. It's it's about putting stuff into perspective. Yes, we do have, let's say, large egos, and we do have a level of, let's call it, arrogance and self-confidence. And I mm -hmm. think every founder is a little bit narcissistic in that way. But yeah, the, but you know, at the same time, <laughs> you have to realize. Well, <laughs> See, no, actually, <laughs> I, I struggle with not having enough ego in this, uh, in like in, in business. Really? You but I suppose, the, I suppose, I think, I think. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Ali, but I, yeah. I think what you might mean by that is that you must have a certain level of confidence or arrogance enough to want yeah. to start a business in the first place, exactly. right? Exactly. In the sense of like, we can do this. I yeah. believe we can do this. Not necessarily any further than that. Yeah. But but I think there is a certain amount of, or, or at least blind faith, you know. Or stupidity. <laughs> or stupidity. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I, we I, were stupid, you know, but it, it it's it's, that's the thing is that it's, you need to know when to throw your ego out the door, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. some people really don't know how to do that because they think that they're better than this or, you're, or they're better than that. But I think uh, this ties back to the culture we were raised in. So, you know, in my case, for example, uh, my dad was, you know, a Palestinian refugee, refugee who basically went from being barely able to buy bread to owning a construction company in Bulgaria now. Mm. And so when I was growing up, he would, uh, anytime we'd go and visit Lebanon, he'd take me and we would sit in the refugee camp where he was raised, even mm. though we had a nice house, but that's all because he wanted to put everything in perspective. And there yeah, was one yeah. conversation where I, as a kid, was telling him I wanted something, let's say like a PlayStation, and he told me no. And I told him why I thought we were rich. And he just looked at me and he's like, no, we're not rich. That's my money, not your money. Yeah, I'm rich. You know? You're not rich. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like that type of culture is what kind of just taught me to put my head down and yeah, realize yeah. that even if I think I'm the greatest in something, 
I'm more likely than not, I'm, I'm more likely, you know, the more likely answer to that is that I probably am not, and that I should actually learn to just listen and just play uh, my the cards I have dealt, essentially. Mm, yeah. I've yeah. been dealt, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it, it's funny. It reminds me somewhat of my childhood. I mean, I'm not saying I can compare to being taken to a refugee camp. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not making that comparison by any means. You know, I was brought up, born and raised in the UK and, I, you know, I had a very comfortable um, upbringing. But when my, my parents were together, they, they ran a business together very successfully. Um, my, my father ran a construction business and, you know, we lived in quite a big house, um, you know, in a nice part of town, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we were we, we did OK. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I was aware of that as a kid growing up to a certain extent. But what my dad did to offset that, and I think in this in this concern and maybe sort of, again, being a, a person himself that came from absolutely nothing, like, yeah. you know, literally dirt poor family background. He was aware enough, fortunately, for all of his other shortcomings, at least mm -hmm. to to be aware of enough of the, the fact that he needed to get me to come um, onto jobs with him yeah. and and graft and learn learn the importance of hard work yep. and i would as, as a kid be you know getting paint all over me getting bruised and cuts yep. and yep. you know hitting you know the hammer on my hand trying to hit nails in, and getting frustrated and getting tired and learning the importance of hard labor yeah um, and that you know like i said for all of his shortcomings i think was a very important lesson for me to learn yeah um, because you know i could have very easily just he could have not done that he could have not bothered to do that and it probably would have been easier than having a fucking kid on the, <laughs> the job but exactly. he took the you know probably would have meant he got the job done quicker and you know got paid yep, sooner yep, yep, but yep, he yep. took the time to do that and and other if he had not i could have very easily grown up to be a very spoiled rich yep. kid you know a mentality that yep. didn't value the importance of hard work and thankfully because of that i i valued it so much i wanted to get into yep. the workforce as soon as possible yeah. You know, and I actually didn't do anything academic until much later in my life. I went back to it, but I actually wanted to skip straight ahead into work. I had a slightly opposite uh, in the sense of interaction with, with academia as both of you, where yeah. I once I realized what I wanted to do, that's when I went to academia. Yeah. Uh, the other, it was kind of like the other way around. And, and that was kind of like to, to um, yeah, to, to cap it off. Yeah, it was like uh, when I was uh, anytime my dad forced me to go like to the office or to the construction sites or all of that. I was basically his, uh, what do you call it? Uh, there's this word in Bulgarian, I don't know what it is, but it's like, like an apprentice kind of thing. Not even apprentice. It's We have this word, which is basically just a guy who does everything. So if I want right. this to be picked up, you're going to go and do it, you know, and that's yeah. that. And it's like, I remember a couple of times where I'd go and be like, yeah, I'm too tired at whatever, I'm, you know, maybe hungover from a party as a kid. And my dad would just look at me, he's like, I tell him I'm hungover. I don't want to come in today. And he's like, well, tough shit. Get ready. You're coming. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like you're dealing with that. That's your yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah, because that's the way the world works. The exactly. The you know, the, the, the business doesn't care if you're hungover. Exactly. You still, you still need to come in and do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. like, I was, I was describing to him all of the problems we were having when we started off. Like, I remember complaining to him that we could barely make, uh, you know, I, I, we could barely make a good living uh, 
paying rent and living in London and stuff. And it was really difficult. Mm -hmm. And I remember just complaining to him about it. And his first reaction is, good, good. Keep struggling. That's good for you. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a bad thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, well, good, you're learning. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're on the street. You're on the street, you say. Oh, you were attacked by a, a group of wild dogs, you say. Oh, okay, good. Well, keep learning. <laughs> you only have one leg and one arm. Like, yeah, good. Carry on. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can make this call, so you're okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's funny. Tough love, right? Tough love. Exactly, but, um, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, it goes back to that. It goes back to that persistency. You know, that's that's what yeah. really teaches you when to throw your ego out the window because you have to. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of the key things is that no matter how successful you are, there's always going to be somebody bigger than you. In a sense, yeah. that there's always going to be you're always going to be undermined by somebody else and. Mm -hmm you need to learn how to take that to your advantage to be honest yeah 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 i suppose there's and it's it's all about balance isn't it yeah right because out of everything we've, we're talking about there's it's very easy to go further one side to the other on every single area of over communication under communication um uh you know confident and arrogant right there's all these different directions and and with this it's it's exactly it's exactly the same which is like you can either you can aspire to be like those individuals you mentioned the, the, the bigger fish out there mm. or you can get sort of disheartened by it to a point where you don't even start yeah yeah and it, and it's like you know finding the balance between that of well we're never going to be that so why even bother and i think yeah. that's actually the reason why a lot of people don't even start doing something a lot of the time exactly um, it's because they just think well, what's the point i'm never going to be steve jobs so yeah. what's the point of even starting it's yeah. like yeah but you can try yeah, but <laughs> exactly. You can try, and that's the thing. It, you don't have to be, and this is something we keep preaching to ourselves: is that although we find a lot of influence from, let's say, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, and we love reading up about their history and how they went from zero to hero. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that we want to turn to that because you know, yeah. at some points, it's it could turn into a very stressful and lonely life. You know, yeah. when you get a certain degree of success and stuff, which is not what we're after. What we're after is, well, to put it in its simplest terms, regardless of it's with this company or whatever other venture we make, mm -hmm. it's honestly just to have a good, stable and happy life that has a good work-life balance. And that's mm -hmm. it. You want to yeah. know that at the end of it all, you're having an impact, regardless of how small it is, whether it's just on a singular employee and their family or whether it's uh, changing the world. But it's about the fact that, at least for us, we'd be happy to just know that we've made some sort of lasting impact, whether it's on one mm. person or thousands of people. And yeah. that's, I think, what keeps us going, essentially. And it even ties into when we first started this company off, my first ever panic attack, and this goes back to stupidity. So we started the company confident, not caring whether we're losing money or making any money because we were young and we could afford to do that. Mm. But then we realized the 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 first ever company Christmas uh, party that we did was the moment where I actually had a little bit of a self-realization with Jan, where we're sitting and we're seeing everybody drinking, having fun, all of that. And at that moment, I was sitting there and I wasn't happy. I was petrified, mortified, just looking at all of the employees having fun. And I'm like, oh my God, all of these people rely on me. And I have right. no idea what am I doing in life. <laughs> And it's that moment where we felt a sense of responsibility, essentially. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, we need to make sure everything is going right. And, you know, if we're able to ensure that all of these people are happy, mm. 
that means we're going to be happy. Yeah, yeah. It's a big responsibility, isn't it? And it, yeah, no, that, that's that's interesting. I can only imagine the sort of weight of that situation. With you know, once it starts becoming clear. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've I've heard that from other other founders before. Mm. Actually, that that's that they have that moment of clarity at some point in their journey. Usually, yeah. it, usually it's at some sort of social event, and it's like, oh shit, wait a minute! All these these are all actual people with lives. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. you know, I've I've now met their boyfriend or girlfriend for the first time, or their their father. You know, their yeah. their um their their husbands and wives or kids. And I'm like, oh shit! Like if we fail, they fail, and that's yeah. a yeah. quite it's, a daunting prospect, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and like, worst, worst part about it is that, like, for example, okay, now we're fine with it because we feel safe and everything, yeah. and we've gotten used to it, but. Another one of the scary moments was when we gave, so, so there was a story about one of our employees telling us about this uh, uh, kid, which is funny to say, which you'll see why it's funny, is uh, that it is interested in IT, doesn't have any work experience and whatever, and our CTO wanted to give him a chance. I told him, mm -hmm. sure, of course. We met him, he seemed hungry, and he wanted to like actually push himself. So we brought him on, and now he's one of our best developers. But the funny part is, is when he came in as an intern, he was my age, literally. I think he was even a year older than me. Right. And it's like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this guy is one year older than me. And he's an intern at our company. And I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm like, what, what is happening? How, yeah. I don't know how to feel about this, how to cope with this and stuff like that. Well, and that's where imposter syndrome can, can get you, right? That, yeah. You know, that, that's where it can sit there and, and fester. And like you said, that's where healthy, a certain healthy amount of arrogance or confidence is useful. Yeah. To sort of then shove that away and go, no, actually, fuck it. We can do this. You know, we, we are, we know what we're doing. We've, we, you know, let's remember our achievements. But it's funny, just to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago about um, looking up to certain millionaires or billionaires and other successful mm -hmm. people. I remembered very briefly then a moment um, I was in a webinar like last year or something like that. And I, I don't remember the specific topic of it, to be honest. It, I, it was a period where I was joining lots of different things. Yeah. And, but, but there was a time in it where they had a, a load of slides and they were showing companies um, that no one had ever heard of. Yeah. And they were like, I want to show you a load of these companies. And they were going across. And they're like, does anyone recognize? Put your hand up if you recognize or comment on it, if you recognize any of these companies. And then it went through, like, it must have been about 20 of these different companies. No one had any idea what they were. I'd never heard of them. Yeah. And then they ended by saying, well, just so you know, every single one of the companies I just showed you is worth a minimum of like, you know, a billion or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I guarantee you, none of you know what they are. None of yeah. you know the CEOs or the founders. Yeah. It's like they, most millionaires, billionaires in the world are anonymous. No one knows who they are. Most successful people don't get on Twitter, buy Twitter, right? Yeah. You know, become a meme, go on Joe Rogan. Like they're, they're, busy running their business yeah. and then this woman who was running the, the webinar said and by the way the first slide i showed you run by one person mm -hmm. every single business on that list was run by one person yeah and then she said that the next up in more traditional sort of startups as like just goes to show there's no there's no specific way it needs to be done yeah it's just the desire to get it done That's exactly yeah. exactly and it's like it, you're the one who basically defines what success means to you yeah yeah, so yeah. one of when i was uh, in northampton i met uh, somebody on uh, like one of the lecturers on the business course there and uh, one of the lecturers there is a millionaire 
And I remember, again, this goes back to my arrogance and that guess just because of my age. When I met him and I was asking him, what does your business do and stuff? Well, he essentially told me, oh, yeah, I made my million selling fish. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at it and I kind of laughed at that. I was like, you're kidding. And he's like, no, I'm being that serious. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, good on him. And now I yeah, look at yeah. him now and I'm like, holy shit, that's fucking genius. How did you do that? You know? And it's the same thing that happened in UCL. We had a lot of guest lecturers come in. One of the guys, basically, all he does as a business is he's basically not a dropshipper, but I just call him an extreme dropshipper. Because yeah, all he yeah. does is he finds trends, he has a factory in China, and if he sees that socks are trending now, immediately makes a brand for socks and just builds that up as quickly as possible. Mm. And if, uh, let's say, another day something else is happening, he'll immediately buy, let's say, disposable vapes, and he'll buy thousands of them and just sell them. And but for him, that's what entices him. That's what makes him happy. And I'm just yeah. I'm like, that's you're such an undervalued person. And it's just amazing to see what you do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because it, uh, as, as you were explaining the first part of that, I was thinking about dropshippers. Yeah. Because, if, know, because it's it's a, it's become that there's always a negative side to everything. Right. And, yeah. and like we talked about the sharing of information and how it's easier than ever to start a business. The tools are there, like anyone can start one from their living room. And this um, this recognition of what we were just talking about there, which is that you just need to have the drive, you define your own success, anyone yep. can do it. It's all great, but what you do end up with as well is this sort of subculture that is quite toxic yep. of, of, of just, yeah, anyone can do it, yep. without actually the recognition or the, I, I suppose the, the desire to make clear that not everyone can actually do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's and, and there's there's a sort of this 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 odd you know area you enter into, which is mm -hmm. like, how can you tell someone um, to try and recognize that maybe you don't have what it takes? Yeah, and, that, and that's difficult. Like you know, it, I I always think back to things like um, those singing shows. Yeah. You know where people come up and they t sing terribly, and then yeah. they don't, they don't take the criticism that they shit. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's really difficult because you know, and and clearly no one's ever told them that they're shit, and that's yeah. why, or or maybe they're just too stupid enough. You know, to it's like how do you put out there? And and of course there are plenty of people profiting off this, selling courses and all this other shit. So they they have no incentive to want to tell people that they aren't you know yeah. to, to 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 be self aware. Mm. But like at what point? You know, how do we put it out there, and at what point can we can we communicate with people that maybe this isn't for you? Like, we need followers too. Yeah. And there is something very admirable about being a very good employee yeah. and a very good follower. Like, yeah. we need people to maybe be more focused on that, just yeah. as much. You know, we don't have courses to teach you how to be a really good follower. Maybe we should. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, right? It's like. Um... You know, let's say, for example, take my friends. I have a lot of friends who, uh, you know, work really exciting jobs, but at the end of the day, they're considered employees. And yeah. they love what they do, and they've always been... Uh, I think the issue is is that a lot of people fall in love with the idea of being an entrepreneur because of all of, this, all of these Instagram influencers telling you, oh, I made my millions in the span of six months. Yeah, but they never yeah. really told you about all of the work that went behind right, exactly. that point. Yeah. And so a lot of my friends, for example, when they saw us uh, getting to the point where we are, they'd all look at us and be like, yeah, one day I want to start my own business as well. And I, 
you know, I'd immediately tell them that's amazing, you know, good for you. You should try it if you think uh, this is something you want to try. But one thing that you really need to take into account is remember all of the times that you saw me struggling, you saw me stressed and you yeah, saw yeah. me going through all of this. Not it's not as easy as you think. And it's it's very challenging at times. And 99% of the people might fail. And it's yeah. like you need to be aware of those risks. You need to be aware of what might be coming up in terms of stress. And you need to then be able to make a conscious decision on whether or not you want to do it. Then again, I say all of this and I'm basically going into the do as I say, not as I do, because I did not I was not aware of any of this as well. Well, and that's the thing is like being ignorant to it is can it can can actually be what leads to success. Yeah. And, exactly. and actually, and, and you know, similar to like what we we're saying about, you know, looking at the Elon Musk of the world and thinking, well, I can never do it. So why even try mm. giving someone that advice could potentially deter them from being great because then they because then they think, oh, well, shit, I didn't realize that there's that much struggle. Yeah. I didn't realize it took you eight years to get there. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to bother. And in fact, if they had, they might and been ignorant to it. They might have done really well. Yeah. Because of the, sometimes the less you know about, you know, the potential pain you're going to encounter means you you actually experience less of it. Exactly. And that's exactly, what, exactly what, what we did when we came out of uni. So we, we didn't have any any knowledge and industry experience, uh, any experience at all as well. And I think that's why we, we kind of decided to to do this. I, I would be terrified right now to set up a, a business from mm scratch uh, in that format and so yeah. i'm not sure if i would be able to do it well obviously yeah. now we have the network we have the resources so it would be much easier but setting it up from 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 zero was was hard and many people don't uh, realize how much struggle it is like ali was saying day to day uh, every business tries to show themselves like the best business on the outside every founder yeah. tries to show themselves like the best most successful founder on the outside and no one, you know, people rarely speak about about the struggles. Mm. Uh, even in the books, we what we read about is not day-to-day -day struggles, day-to-day -day problems, mm. that go, which is the hardest one, you know, to keep consistent. Mm. But we read about some, you know, a, a few major events within a person's life that kind of led to 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 to, to something great. Yeah, yeah. But you know, how, but, how but, much... that, but that it needs to be aspirational, though, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. And, and and that's that's the balance to, to have is you you know like we're saying you don't want to put someone off yeah that's the you issue. know yeah I mean it's like it's like think about it uh, do either of you have kids no 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 okay. we're way too young for that way too young for that. <laughs> okay so I've got I've got two oh, and yes. um and and well if you've ever spoken to I don't know if you maybe you've ever asked your mother right mm. <laughs> if you had known what it was like to have a kid would you have had a kid. Yeah. vast majority of mothers would have said no fucking way yeah <laughs> you know and the only reason why they end up having more is because they kind of forget you know there's yeah. even a biological uh, uh solution to that which which eradicates the the, the memory of the pain suffered through childbirth no. um, because the, because if you could remember it vividly you wouldn't ever do it again right it's yeah. the same kind of it's the same yeah. kind of thing like you know if you if you really knew what was coming then yeah you probably wouldn't do it i definitely wouldn't do it again if i yeah. like looking looking back at my career i i would have i you know part of me sometimes think i would just like a nice comfortable office job working for someone else yeah. I, you know if i had to do it all over again um yeah. because of the the ups and downs and the, the stress that it caused yeah. but then we, it's we do because you don't want to put other people off you know exactly but i do 
a, a business is very similar to to having a kid as well i mean so it's a, yeah. yeah very similar <laughs> yeah and that's yeah, it when women say men don't know what it's like to to have to to go through childbirth say well i run a business so yeah and, and that's the moment you get cancelled on social media <laughs> <laughs> and they'll, they'll i yeah they'll appreciate that 100%. okay fair enough yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the same thing <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you know the thing is is that it's like it's all about but uh, again everything we're talking about right now and how none of us would want to start this all over again that's we're all saying that in hindsight yeah the thing yeah. is is that if you look back when you did start yes there was a mixture of arrogance and there was a mixture of let's say enthusiasm and ignorance yeah but there was a high degree of arrogance because you know all of us have gone through to in one form or the other some sort of situation where we were working uh for somebody and not that we're not now we're just working for somebody for somebody now in a different uh relationship yeah, yeah. what we were thinking is oh i could actually do better than you mm. or i think i'm better than you in this sense and so that's when you try and yeah. and again it's it's a mixture of ignorance self-awareness and uh, egoism and everything in into yeah. one it's just again it comes down to that word balance right it's, yeah. it's about having a healthy amount a healthy amount of uh of of arrogance or a healthy amount of self-awareness yeah. a healthy amount of of um of even the opposite of those things you know yeah. Yeah. Of, of 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 like we talked about uh uh what's the word the the what, why can't i think of the word um doubt you know whatever the, the other word is for it um yeah you got to have those things in in equal measure i think uh um, yeah. succeed but i suppose and, and that puts you in an ideal position to be able to help your founders yeah exactly and also in, in addition is uh i think another driving force once you start is that if you don't have a plan b you, you, that's it you know th this is there's no other plan but for this plan so as in yeah. this company works that's good if it doesn't well it, it's it has to work you know there's no other well we can do this yeah you know yeah, yeah i think it all i'm, I'm mm -hmm. curious to know your cto right mm -hmm. um someone presumably you did you you brought into the company later on right yeah so how did you approach the hire how did you approach hiring the C cto did, 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 yeah it was it was all based on emotions to be honest so right okay basically and this is a really interesting story actually what happened is we hired somebody who uh again is now on one of the most important projects uh, that we have. He's amazing and he's leading a big team and all of that. So we hired him and he was our, I think, most talented dev at the time when we hired him. Now, you know, not that he's not anymore, but you know, he's still very talented. And we had a really weird relationship starting out in a sense that he took this as a full-time job and then took a second full-time job and was working at the same time on both. And we taught yeah. secrecy. And we told them, hey man, you know, again, transparency. Told them, you know, either choose us or them because we're not gonna, we're not okay with this, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And we asked them, I'm like, is this because of money or what is it? Maybe we can accommodate for you to leave that other job. And we built a relationship with him. And one day I was talking to him with Jan, and we told him, yeah, I think it's time for us to find the CTO. He introduced us to his mentor, which is our now CTO who was working for a different company. And when we started having conversations with him, it was a very weird uh, conversation in a sense that the first time we met, you know, we're, hey, this is what we do, whatever. Okay, interesting. Second time we had a conversation, he started asking us questions about the business mm -hmm. and essentially 
flipping everything on its head. So we, he'd ask us like, oh, what do you do now? What's your methodology for project management? And we'd look at them and we're like, what's that? And at that time we had 10 people. And yeah. He's like, you fucking idiots, what the, f I'm not even kidding. Literally that's how he started. And he yeah. just started berating us and basically, Anything that we showed him, he would basically be like, you're doing everything wrong. What the hell is this? Yeah. You know what? Well, and that's the guy you need, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, How the hell did you survive until now? What is this yeah. clown fest? What the hell? You know, and he went crazy mm -hmm. on us. And so we kind of built a relationship with him over time where he was working just part time with us. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he got to a point where he was comfortable with us and we were comfortable with him. And we're like, hey, man, I think it's time for you to uh, abandon ship and come join us. And so that eventually happened, and yeah, he's been with us ever since. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy you need, right? Yeah, the, the one that's just like, guys, oh, you, you fuck it, you're gonna fuck this up unless you have someone like me in your business. So, yeah, no, he didn't need someone like me. He was just telling us. He's like, he's like, you fucking fuck up. What the fuck is this? How the hell did you survive until now? You know, he wasn't trying to sell himself in any way, but rather he was trying to give uh, constructive criticism in his yeah. own way. <laughs> And you know the proof, is, the proof is that you find the best CTOs when you're not looking for a CTO. Yeah. Right. If you start looking, the moment you start looking, you start finding uh, not well shit. Let's say let's say shit CTOs. Yeah. I think it's because uh, when you look actively, the people you find uh, as a as a, like business oriented founder on the platforms you think you'll find them are not the right people to to to, to be CTOs. C CTOs I think hang out somewhere else. I, I don't know where. Yeah, well, they're probably already hired, right? Yeah, so they, they probably. Yeah, that's also exactly. another thing, you know. All the best developers right now mm. are engaged in the projects. Yeah, if you find the developer. Well, obviously, uh, there's exceptions, mm. but you need to understand that all the best technical people are engaged in something right now, which yeah. means they're not going around networking events looking for opportunities, most likely. Mm. Uh, yeah. Something. You, you find through connections, you ask your, your, your friend that runs a business and he tells you, I, I know this guy, yeah. I've been working with him for like 10 years, uh, speak with him. Yeah, and it goes back to also context of your experiences. So for example, in our case, if we went and got a headhunter, we would have never fan, found Stan, our CTO, because mm -hmm. he had a very interesting background where he is a very talented developer, but he had this entrepreneurial spirit and he, before us, had a, before leaving the company he was working at, he had a, his own business, his own software agency that he had to shut down because his co-founder basically stole all of the money from the company and ran away to, I think, Thailand or something. Jeez. And so he was left to foot the bill. So he had to go and pay his like 10 employees their last month's salary and fire everybody and close the company. Mm. But he didn't have the money himself. So what he was doing was actually he took two full-time jobs on and he would work you know both shifts in order to collect the money like to save up the money so that he can actually go and pay back his employees because the company went bankrupt mm. and so realistically this person was extremely engaged with other stuff extremely tied up with other stuff and it was honestly by luck and by chance that we were able to even meet him and uh, talk to him and all of that and that background he gave us is one of the reasons why we also wanted him to work with us because just like us, he had a very similar background in a sense that he's gotten screwed over in one way or another by a business partner or by mm -hmm. something like that. 
And at the same time, he's a very open and transparent person that says what's on his mind. And if he thinks you're a, and I quote, if he thinks you're a fucking idiot, he will tell you you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. So it's a demonstration of integrity, right? Exactly. And, and I think that's the common thread with a lot of um, individuals to get on well with together is they have a, a solid moral foundation and 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 a, and a decent amount of integrity. Yeah, you know that they can't be moved, like it yeah. can't be shifted. Exactly. You know, that's some something that I've got in trouble over with yeah. past employers. Mm. Uh, it, it, it is, and maybe I don't know. Either you might sympathise with this. Is you know when I've worked with past employers that I believe have done um, questionable things, I haven't moved, and that and that's got me in hot water because they expect you to move along with the slightly questionable activity. Yeah. But but for me, it's uh, you you know what helps you sleep at night, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's the same with us. We try to avoid that type of culture where uh, we don't want people to feel like they have to follow us uh with whatever decision we make yeah but rather what we actually try and do is we incentivize people in the company to uh well essentially challenge us and uh yeah. you know we hold uh quarterly meetings with the uh, with everybody in the team where we explain everything that's going on with the business from strategy to financials to everything to how much runway we have all of it mm -hmm. and we put it all on the table and this is intentional because we want them to take that home with them. We want them to think about it. And we want them to be able to not only challenge us as uh, uh, and our leadership, but also challenge our clients. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've had full-on productive arguments with, well, I'd say discussions. I call them arguments because it's just fun to say it that way. But they're actual... I like the word argument. I, I use, yeah, because if that is the true meaning of the word argument. Yeah. Actually, yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, so the, where we would be sitting with the client and I would agree with the client's approach, for example, while our developers would look at them and be like, guys, no, you need to convince me that this is the right approach. They're like, I don't agree with this. I think you guys need to do it this way, that way, and that way. And this goes all the way from the senior developers to the CTO, to the junior developers, or to the interns. And we want to keep that within the company that way. And we know that it's unrealistic to keep it this way if we ever turn into, let's say, a 100-man team, which is partially why we don't ever want to become a 100-man team. Mm. Uh, that's the value that we bring to our clients, is that transparency and that willingness to challenge them, even if they think they're industry leaders or domain experts or anything. And and, and, and that's interesting. That, that So that's just made me think of a question for you both. Mm. What is your idea? Because we talked a minute ago, we, talk, we were talking about... Uh, the, the, the pain, the growing pains to do with a business that grows up to a certain point. Yeah. What is your opinion on growth at all costs, right? Because in business, this is what we're taught, is you build a business and you grow, yeah. and then you grow, and you grow, and you grow. And and I've got to this point in my life where I'm starting to think that maybe isn't a very good philosophy to have. Yeah, but you can get to a point of being comfortable, yeah. just main, maintain. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? So I think the, in my opinion, and Yana is going to go into a lecture for this, so I'll say mine first. But the, <laughs> the short answer to this is that I think that's a very capitalistic mindset in a yeah. sense that it's, you know, you're either growing or you're not. Yeah, yeah. Realistically, that doesn't have to be the case. You know, obviously, when you're starting off, the expectation is that you are growing and that's yeah. healthy. But there comes to a point where too much growth, in my opinion, can lead to toxicity and yes. can lead to, let's call it, the sense, uh, sensitization of what the company values are, what the mission was, and what yeah. the whole team relationship was. Of course, was. yeah, it becomes diluted over time, right? It does, it does. And so in my opinion, it's like, you know, 
yes, you should be targeting growth, but at the same time, that shouldn't be the end goal because at least we live by the philosophy that, you know, we work to live, not live to work. And so at the end of the day, you need to understand what is the sweet spot for you. I don't want to be thinking when I'm 50, uh, how do I grow this business into something bigger and bigger? Instead, I probably want to just, you know, sit at home, be with my kids, you know, just have a nice life. Uh, it's great to think about growth when you're younger, but at the same time, there's things more important than just trying to grow your balance sheet and all of that. At least that's my take on it. Mm. How about you, yeah. Jan? I do. I do agree. I mean, we 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 went. I think I, I I'm just finishing a, a WeWork book, uh, by the way, <laughs> which is exactly what what this this question is about: mm. unsustainable, massive uh, growth, and mm. just focus on growth. I feel like a lot of young founders as well, especially if they want to start a startup, uh, they, they are taught at schools, they are taught through books, that all that matters is is, is just growth. Mm -hmm. And they need to go and get crazy amount of money, they need to get millions. Uh, and that's, th that's going to be the only way to succeed in business when you start burning for the money and set up a unicorn. Mm -hmm. uh, no, one, no one really speaks, even at UCL at our, um, at our course, no one speaks about bootstrapping a business. No one speaks about mm. building a lifestyle business uh, that is, is maybe not growing like crazy, but uh, is sustainable. And you might actually make much more money on those businesses than running a, mm. a crazy startup, you know, getting yourself involved in like a 10 year endeavor where every time, every day you can, you can lose the business itself. Which is what we've seen happen, right? With yeah. the, the startup yeah. bubble bursting. I mean, it's yeah. it's businesses that that don't make money. They 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 rely entirely on debt. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. And and we uh, we went through that mentality as well at the beginning. We right. we've been growing relatively fast. So uh, since we started, well, I can't speak about the first year because you know we make a very uh, relatively small revenue. So we we grew ten times in the first year. Uh, and then we were doubling every single year. Mm. So this this year we doubled as well, and we probably expect to double, uh, or maybe a little bit less than double next year. So the growth rate is is relatively high. But mm. we went through through a time when we were doubling uh, over the past two years, where the growth was not sustainable, and it almost killed our business as well. Yeah, right. So right now, right now we we decided, well, sustainable sustainable growth is probably the keyword here. Exactly. How do you grow, but at the same time, make sure that uh, you have the right right foundations to grow. Yeah. We probably even took a step back to fix our foundations and then mm. restart the growth. Yeah. But again, not not enough people speak about uh, running a normal, profitable business that yeah. uh, is is probably will make you more money, will cost you less stress, will yeah. allow you to have a family. A girlfriend, you know, you don't need to sleep at the office under under the yeah. desk. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not, I suppose that's the difference between like the startup culture and brick and mortar business culture, right? Yeah. Like you spoke about Ali, that that guy that you met that uh, that, that made his million selling fish. Mm. You know, I, I, there's there are businesses out there that you know on the high street everywhere we look that are just. They, they reach a certain size and that's their size they can't grow beyond their walls yeah you know necessarily or the, nor do they want to like not everyone wants to open a uh, a corner shop and then own every corner shop in the uk they just want to own a successful 
family-run business that, that yeah. pays the bills and, and and gives them a good lifestyle and there's nothing wrong with that level of ambition to Not say i want yeah. i want to get to this point and then i want us to to focus on a strategy of maintenance yep to 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 to, 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 to have this empire secured and then maybe to pass this empire over to to, to the next generation I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that and you no. know you're absolutely right jan, jan when you talk about how I think the messaging is is about it's very focused on investment and, and as an angel investor myself I can tell you I'm part of the problem mm -hmm. I know I am <laughs> like because because you know as soon as you bring in a shareholder whose entire incentive is your growth th then you're fucked because like maybe not at a level of an angel investor but especially when you start looking at BC mm -hmm. where you know they're looking to invest in the next unicorn like you must make a minimum of a billion within mm -hmm. the next seven years. Otherwise it's not, they haven't, you know, got the return on their investment. Yep. Um, and that, that, that does, that does encourage, that incentivizes a very different kind of approach to, to growing a business and the, and the exactly strategies what, involved. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to, to WeWork. So mm. uh, it was just, just focus, focus on, on, on growth and, you know, profits is going to be figured out later yeah. on that, that happens to a lot of startups too and yeah uh, th that's why we spoke about things like not hiring uh, people on on full-time because you know one of your metrics is how many people on employment contracts you you have yeah, yeah. because the company just looks bigger but at the same time it creates so many risks that you'll be much better off having a bunch of contractors mm. and make just you and your your co-founder uh in the middle so again we, we need to normalize <clears throat> running normal businesses yeah because in many cases it's a better solution it's a better decision for the founder to to go in that more sustainable road than try to kind of prove them you know that, that they can grow a crazy business without mm -hmm. any limitations over you know over the months or years yeah and it's funny because it goes back to what we said right at the beginning which is about how i i, I do think there is a shift happening <clears throat> in the way businesses um employ uh and, and work with other functions so like yourself you know using an agency like yourself to be their their yeah. development function their technological function and, and others as well and like you said contracting employees instead of having them full time i think the structure of, of organizations is changing uh, in no small part due to the to the sort of financial crisis we find ourselves in that that has been headlined by the failure of start tech startups and and underpinned by the failure of the investment sector um as well that has kind of that has fueled that and i think it's made a lot of first-time founders realize this isn't how i want to do it i want to do it my way i want to bootstrap i want to upskill in sales techniques and i want to get that first revenue myself and build organically and it just like you know when you sit back and look at that i just can't help but think back to my father's business and what my father taught me, which was when you make a business, you've got to make more money than you spend. Yeah. That's the business principle. That's true. That's and I'm it. like, fuck, it's that simple. Like, why, why are we complicated it so much? Yep. Give a product that people want or a service that people want and ask more money for it than you are spending to give it. It's really not that complicated, <laughs> you know, and, and we need to maybe go back to the drawing board a little bit there, even when it comes to SaaS models and, and all that. Um, because, you know, I think that the, the trends do have the, the, general, uh, the general tendency to get manipulated into this conveyor belt way of making money from someone at the top. Look at crypto, look at AI, look at NFTs, 
you know, yeah. look at entrepreneurial shit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it becomes a, a monetized thing in itself, yeah. which distorts actually the, the foundation of what the actual thing is, you know? You know, even with my dad, it's a very old school mentality. And, I'm, you know, I'm very aware of that, but I also do believe it. And yeah. it says that he, uh, when I was telling him about uh, Jan and I's uh, failed investment in AMC and all of those uh, stocks and cryptocurrencies, he just looked at me and he's like, well, while you're doing this, he's like, he, when I was explaining what we're doing, he just responded with, yeah, that all sounds too complicated for me. I like being in control of my money and knowing that if I do this, that there's a risk of me losing it or there's a, uh, there's a chance of me gaining X percentages as profit. And having that control myself rather than almost throwing numbers into some slot machine and seeing what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a very old school mentality, but it's true for a majority yeah. of us, you know. Yeah. Not, and you know, and look, to be clear, I don't I don't have anything wrong with the VCs and the investment sector as a whole. But I think the, the, the problem is is that there becomes this reliance on this where like like you said, Jan, the the perception is I've got to come up with an idea, I've got to build an MVP. And then I've got to go out and get investment, and it's yeah. like that's the that's the path to success. Yeah. And you know, if if only it was seen as one way of doing it, that would be a healthier way. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. They, I, I don't have all the answers, but it, they, but yeah, they, there's there's better ways of doing it for sure. Yeah. I unfortunately have to go though. I was about to say we've we, we've 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 been talking for ages. I didn't even realize how long we've been talking for. <laughs> so look, it's been lovely speaking to you, Bill. Um, thanks so much. Like, look, this is the first. This is the pilot conversation. As you can tell, it's um it's pretty chilled out. So yeah. uh, like, we might do it again. Um, but yeah, you're both happy for me to share everything we talked about online today. Uh -huh. Nothing that you would want me to edit out uh, or anything like that. No, 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 no nothing at all. Maybe okay. just like blur Jan's face because he's a little bit ugly, but that's a different. <laughs> well, I would have to do the same to myself then, just <laughs> in the matter of fairness. So, uh, which probably yeah, wouldn't make any difference. Every single one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be everywhere. Exactly. My brownish and uh, beard as well. <laughs> I'll put a filter on all of us, like one of those yeah. TikTok filters, to, like give us lashes and stuff. Like, yeah, that'd be fine. We'll look beautiful. I love uh, it. All right, cool. Well, look, lovely to meet you guys. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll speak again soon. But um, yeah, great, amazing, way. amazing stuff that you've done. And um, and yeah, hopefully uh, you. your success will just continue. But don't grow too much. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate it. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> All right. Have it. a good day. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for watching and or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.